This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. First Samuel and seven, and it's actually one verse I'm going to read, and then. I feel exercised, if that's the right way to use it, the term. The Lord, when he gives me a message sometimes, he he, he tells me this, lean not on your own understanding, just do as you're told. (laughs) Do as you're told. The the title of this, if you want a title, you're probably very familiar with it. It's Ebenezer. And second, uh, 1 Samuel 7, verse 12 then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Has the Lord helped us. If you can look back in your life, if you're facing something today or in the future, and if you can look back at how he helped you in the past, amen, that'll give you confidence and strength to face the future. Amen. He, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Amen. The 21st of April, 1969, was a day that changed my life totally and completely and forever. What happened? My brother, we were very, very close, and we lived in St. And uh, his last words to me was, good night, I'll see you in the morning. In the morning, we slept in the same bedroom, and in the morning he was way to work before I got up and didn't have a chance to speak to him. But those were the final words he ever said to me, good night, I'll see you in the morning. About 10 o'clock, we got a telephone call. Telephone call can change your life, permanently and forever, one call. And they said there was an accident and your brother's been killed in a car crash. He was 27 years of age and I was 28. And uh, he went out of my life totally and completely. I'll refer to these scriptures and so forth, but let me just do it from my heart, this part. He went out of our lives and everything changed. This part I'm going to say now is no reflection on anybody or church or anything like that, but it just so happened that the church that we went to in St. Field, whenever I went to the minister and I asked him, what's this all about? You're born, you go to school, you graduate or go to university or whatever, or you don't, you get a job, a career, whatever, and you get married or you don't get married, whatever, you live, you retire, and then after you retire, you live for a few years, ex- exception being you've been killed or something. But then it's all over. Tell me why. What's this, what's this all about? What is this life all about? Would you please tell me? This is a lovely man. If you called him at 3 o'clock in the morning, he'd be at your house inside 10 minutes. Very genuine, good works and all those things. Good man, lovely man. And, uh, but he didn't have a clue. <laughs> He didn't have a clue. I was uh, disappointed. And we went to, my father and mother and I, we went to uh, 
visit my father's uncle or my father's cousin and uh, in Down Patrick underneath a TV we're sitting around and there's a TV there was a magazine and I pull it out I never seen anything like this before it says I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly John 10 and 10. The first part says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to do that. But Jesus, he said, I have come that you may have life, Zoe, the life of God. You know, you can have the life of God Almighty. Almighty God, the creator of everything. And he can come into your life and change you totally and forever. I found out where it was and I wrote off that night. When we came back, I wrote a letter about one o'clock in the morning or something, I got up and walked in near Sainfield and posted because my parents didn't understand this, never heard these terms anyway. And uh, I waited for a reply and I uh, hadn't any reply for a long time. And in the meantime, I was driving through Sainfield and I came to First Sainfield Presbyterian Church. Reverend Bell was a minister. I knew nothing, folks, about salvation. Knew nothing about the things of God. And uh, he was having this crusade, and there was Stuart Bristow, if that mean, name means anything to anybody. Stuart Bristow, a lovely man. I went in, anyway, into the church, and I went up into the balcony. And I'm in the balcony looking down, <laughs> and... <laughs> People are all around, and <laughs> I knew a number of them because the farm was only a mile and a half out of Saintfield. And he preached. He didn't have the gowns. He had a shirt and tie and a suit on, you know. And he walked back and forward. And every question that I had, that man answered. Every single question. I believe in divine appointments. I believe even as a child of God, you qualify if you receive it for divine appointment. Nothing happens by accident. Listen to me giving this testimony, as it were. The Ebenezer part, anyway, isn't by accident. God has a purpose for this. Anyway, whenever uh, he said at the conclusion of his message, if you believe what I've said tonight, would you please stand to your feet? I stood up. <laughs> I was the only one standing. I looked round at all the other people around me down this row and down this row. The body of the church was down there. I seen one or two down there, but nobody was standing here. And I said, do you not believe what the man just said? Do you not believe what he's just preached? He was the vessel of Almighty God to me. God is a way of using the foolishness of preaching to bring his thoughts to bear in your life. Living, the word of God is alive and real. And he wants to say something to us if we listen. And they smiled politely, but ignored me totally. But whenever I stood up, something happened and I couldn't explain it. I was so ignorant. Jesus came in. I know what it was now. Jesus came into my life. <laughs> I changed. I went up them steps, a sinner, 
though I didn't count myself a sinner, for I never had drugs or sex or run around or any of those things, drink or anything, basically because I couldn't afford it. The Lord kept it from me by keeping the money away from me. Anyway, but here, what happened was whenever I stood up, something came into my life. And I knew I was changed. I didn't know what it was. I went down, he, gracious man, he said, wherever you're standing, even up at the balcony, come down and come up to this wee room. I, I'm sorry, folks, I didn't go up to the wee room. I went out because something had happened and I didn't know what it was. It was incredible. Jesus came in. That was the beginning, the beginning of 1970. What's that? 47 years ago. 47 years. And he gets sweeter every day. He gets sweeter every day. Let me go on quickly. Um, whenever that happened, Stuart Bristow was a lovely man, by the way. Recently, I texted his office, and his daughter answered the text, you know, or the email it was, and she said, he's so busy that he'll not be able to uh, contact you. And I told him that story, told her that story to convey it. The next five minutes, I got an email from him. He's 92, bless his heart. And he's preaching all over the world. You know what Moses said? Moses said three score years and ten. The very man that said that lived to be 120. So don't you throw in the towel. Anyway, he's still alive and preaching. Isn't that wonderful? I said, the next time you're in Ireland, you'll have to come to Letterkenny. <laughs> he says, oh, well, it's wonderful. God's a big God. Amen. Hebrews 6, 9. Things that accompany salvation. Hebrews 6, 9. I'm ignorant of all these things. I'm reading the Bible. And it says in Hebrews 6 9, Beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Things that accompany salvation. And I, my simple mind was, there's more. There's more than what I have experienced. I was going this way and God turned me to go this way and there's more the Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or even think and I didn't know what it was I didn't know what the, what the extra was I did not and I remember reading it and wrestling and I didn't know you have to go to church and you have to sing the hymns and you have to tithe and you have to say amen to the preacher I didn't know all those things I didn't know anything about these things. Anyway, I, thanked, I said to myself, there's more. There's more. I want it, whatever it is. It must be of God. It must be wonderful. Anyway, I brought it where the farm was. That We got our food, livestock, meal and stuff. About two or three miles from where we were. It was raining one day. I came into the yard with all this on the tractor and trailer. And uh, I stopped and I said, I'm going to, this is a great truth. There's going to be wee gems in this. I hope you catch a hold of at least one of them. I said, I'm going up into that bedroom. I'm going to close that door and I am not coming out until I find out what this is. 
I have made up my mind. I'm not coming out. What if your parents, well, they would have been banging down the door, I'm sure, to get me out. But it just so happened they didn't. And I went up there and I closed the door and I walked up and down and I said, Lord, I, I don't know what this whole thing is. Whatever this extra, more, there's something more. I want it. I had crossed the line. I had made up my mind. If you make up your mind tonight to receive something from the Lord, you are going to receive it if you don't quit and you hold on to it. Uh, and this is not a, uh, I almost hesitate to say this. There's many ways the Holy Spirit, that's what it is, comes to different people intellectually and gives an understanding of what it is and so forth, explains it all to you, and then you accept it. I understand that. I think that's wonderful. There's the exception, though, and there's the rule. Maybe that way is the rule. My way was the exception because I was so ignorant. I, I locked that door and I'm walking up and saying, I'm Lord, I'm telling you now here and now, I am not coming out. That's it. Everything's, everything is on hold. Once you put everything on hold to hear from heaven, you better get ready for the consequences because God Almighty may visit you and transform your life totally and completely and forever. I need that again, don't you? Anyway, this light came in through the door. The door was closed. This light came in through the door. This is the exception. I want to say that. It doesn't have to be this. It just happened to me this way because of my ignorance and knowing nothing. It moved out round the room, out round the room. I was going to go back out again, mind you. I ran after it. I got a hold of it. I knew there was no fear. I knew it was from God. I didn't know what it was. I seen it with my eyes. This shining light like a... Like, like, like that size I ran and caught and came in here it came in and I didn't know what it was but I knew it was from God <laughs> it's wonderful uh, this is a honeymoon period <laughs> you know understand <laughs> this is a honeymoon period for me at that time and whenever the Holy Spirit he's in the paracletos the one called alongside to help not just a point in a sermon that's a nice thing to consider and that may be good and has its place but to me it was the paracletus the holy spirit he came in he came in to take over not extra baggage folks to carry and the holy spirit is a gentleman he's not an idiot he is a gentleman. He is God. The, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He came in to take over. He changed everything in my life. And he can change your life too. And I'm sure he has. person asked me, few weeks later, I found this wee John Moxon up in Balnehinch, he was that time. Uh, he found, uh, he had meetings and I uh, got to know about it and uh, I went up and, uh, and anyway, uh, this brother came over to me. He, I always saw him whenever I needed anything, repairs done on the, on the, on the tractors or so forth. Uh, he was always at this, at this company and he was always so helpful. 
He would do anything for a lovely man. I didn't know he was a Christian, by the way, because he never said. He never told me. But anyway, now he said to me, and we're in a Christian setting, and he said, Willie, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, no, what's that? And as soon as I said that, it felt like something left. It felt like something left my life. It was awful. Day and night for three days, I couldn't sleep because it bothered me so much. I had contacted God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know what it was, and it felt like he had left. And we happened to be at, at a house meeting in, in Robinson Brothers at Hillsborough here, and uh, they had a guest speaker over, and we small man with a white suit. I remember that ticket. He's got a white suit. Who has white suits? <laughs> I mean, he was an American, and he preached, and after the conclusion of his message, he was shaking hands. But it's very important that you know who you're shaking hands with. He was shaking hands with people on the way out, and he shook my hand just like that. The power of God hit me, and I started speaking in tongues, and the Holy Ghost took over, and I haven't stopped in 47 years. Yeah, I haven't stopped. He's wonderful. Jesus said, whenever I go away, I'm coming back in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he's coming back ultimately, of course, but he's the one called alongside to help Jesus, other self. I must tell you this very quickly. This, uh, I found out somehow about tithing, about honoring God. Now, this, doesn't, this part doesn't make me look good. You know you could be proud that you're humble, but you know that? I mean, it doesn't make me feel good. And I, I, I recognized that I had to honor God with my tithe. And I wrote out a check, and I heard about a chap who went to school with me. His parents lived in Saintville. They were lovely Christian people, apparently. And uh, I wrote out a check. You know, it wasn't a big amount. It was the tithe from the milk check. And when I drove down to Saintville, I'm into this now, so I'm going to have to go on with this story. And, and I give them the tithe, Okay. And I thought it was great. And I came home, and in the yard, there was this wee man, English man, and he was a Christian, and he was a preacher, and he told me that he was in God's work full time. And I said, is there such a thing? What's that mean? He says, I trust God. I'm in God's work full time. Oh, God, please forgive me. I've missed God. I've missed, I should have given it to him instead of them. So what did I do? Please forgive me. Can I turn this off? I got in the car, drove down to Sitford, took the check off them, and tore it up. <laughs> That's a truth. Tell me, it's a truth. <laughs> Whenever I come, came home, I give it, I found out where we John was staying, Clifford, and I went round, and I gave him the check, and he got so excited. He had put a fleece out to God. He was living in England. And he says, if you want me to be a minister and be a part of anything in Northern Ireland, you're going to have to pay for my wife and my family and all our, all our bits and pieces, whatever it was, to come over here. And the amount of what was in the check paid for that exactly. <laughs> anyway. I'd like to say that's the only mistake I've ever made, but I'd be lying. <laughs>
<laughs> you see, God blesses sometimes Clifford not because of, but in spite of. You know, you know. Um, uh, Faith Tabernacle. I went to the, used to uh, uh, this company, the, the, the family who had given the check. They still remain friends with me. But anyway, uh, we went down to Faith Tabernacle in 1970. See, God orchestrates things. It's wonderful. We went to the prayer meeting, and I went to the prayer meeting. We came out after it was over, and I couldn't see Clifford sitting there. The fog was so bad. I couldn't see him, I couldn't find the car. You had to go along and try to find a car somewhere. And I was invited, Leslie, Leslie Hill asked me, come up to the high shoe, you can stay with us until this, stay all night. I said, no, I was in Northern Ireland, you see, and you know the Northern Ireland, the lake, do you want a cup of tea? No, it's all right, and you know you'd find well, you would like a cup of tea. I said, no, I'm not, I tried to make it home, couldn't. Anyway, long story short, I would eventually got up to Ben Madigan and uh, went into the bathroom and closed the door. And just like this, the Lord spoke to me. He spoke in there. He spoke. God didn't speak audibly, but he spoke in my heart. You know what he said? Now, I'm a farmer and all that. He says, I, I've brought you here to show you what I want you to have. I didn't understand it, folks. I didn't understand what that meant. It could have been carnal man. He wants to give me this house. Get out. <laughs> you know, it could have been carnal, but I knew it was from God. We eventually, I thought it was, they had just bought a new house. Maybe the Lord wants me to build a new house. We had looked, we had an architect and all on working on that. Anyway, long story short, we did build a house and so forth. But God wasn't talking about that at all. I want you to have this. Ten years later or so, I was pastoring the church, and I was living in that house. Evelyn and I were married with two boys, and we were living in that house. Another thing, I don't want to overdo this, but it shows you that God facilitates your humanity. God is not looking for a perfection connection with him. He's just looking for a trust connection with him. Will you trust me? You may not understand everything, but will you trust me? And anyway, <laughs> I had a dream. Well, don't, I'm not given to dreams. Oh, I've had a few. But anyway, this one, I've seen fields and fields of barley and wheat and all that type of thing. So I got up in the morning, I got an excitation. I said, I want to rent a farm so we can have barley and wheat and all that. So we rented this farm and we tied it all up and sowed the barley and all in it. You know, because I was a farmer and I thought that's what the Lord meant. But that wasn't what the Lord meant. Though we can be super spiritual now, we all know what the Lord meant. But back then I didn't, you know, and I had an awful time with it. I said, tears. Did I have some problem with that? I nearly lost everything because of it. But we eventually got it right out of it anyway. Anyway, quickly, very, very quickly. This is important to go to church, God's church, God's place, where he plants you. Uh, I went on a Tuesday night, a young people's meeting. Okay. Innocent enough, whenever we got there, whenever I got there, 
Uh, there was a whole crowd of strangers there who came visiting, so I had to leave them home. I was the only one that had a Hillman Hunter car. You remember the old Hillman Hunters? I had this thing, and full of people, leaving them all home. And uh, the last person to drop off was a girl called Evelyn. And she was a total stranger. I knew nothing about her. But I said, I'm going to risk it here. Would you like a cup of coffee tomorrow night? See, anybody? See, there's something in coffee. I don't know what it is, but there's something in it. The consequence is dramatic. <laughs> consequences. Anyway, what happened? She said, OK. I thought you never asked me. I'll keep talking. Of course, Evan will deny that part, you know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, what happened was tomorrow night came. I picked Evelyn up. She was living at Antrim at that time. We went to a hotel in Bangor. Went into the hotel, uh, had a cup of coffee. Evelyn went to the ladies' room, and I'm sitting there. And something happened. And uh, after we got out, got in the car and drove down the road, I pulled into a car park. Whenever we pulled into the car park, I said, Evelyn, I've got to ask you a question. She says, what's that? What's your second name? Smith. Evelyn Smith, will you marry me? She said, yes. First date. I didn't know a thing about her, and she knew nothing about me. What had happened in that little restaurant is the key. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. He said, relax and live with the wife of your youth. That's 45 years, is that right? I got it right, okay. <laughs> 45 years ago. I'm not saying now that everybody has to say it like that. That's the exception. I keep stressing that. But that can happen. Not King Cole sang a great old song, When I Fall in Love. It will be forever, or darling, I will never fall in love in a restless world like this is. Anybody remember that? <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> that was my motto way back then, even before I was saved. We built that bungalow. We're living in it. It had 800 square feet upstairs, but we had no underfelt for it. It was cold. Now, I can't explain this. I can only tell you what happened. One night at the edge of dark, you know what that is? Like, you know, three or four o'clock. <laughs> this big, huge van drove up the road and stopped outside our garden. Back of it opened up, furniture van. Back of the opening, the name and all, and the number and all that. The man, two men jumped out. This is what happened. They opened the, they opened the back doors, and one went in, and the other one stood out, and they had two full rolls of Exminster underfelt. And they stood, and they did this, and they threw it out over into my garden. <laughs> the two rolls. Isn't that, isn't that unbelievable? I, 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 I got the number, I rushed in, and I rang the people up, and I said to the office, I said, your van is just here, and this is your number. I've got it off the van, and two men have thrown over into my garden two rolls of Exminster underfelt. It's a tread air. Sorry, Evelyn, you're right. Tread air. Uh, I got it right. Underfelt. The, well, the woman said, the lady said, no, that's a mistake. It's nothing to do with us. She hung up. And I said, thank you, Lord. 
I have seen things like that at the very conclusion of this. I will give a number of those type of things at the very conclusion. Quickly, I'll move on. Anyway, I thought the Lord wanted us to build a farm up and so forth. That was my idea, but God had another idea. Whenever I got saved, I remember driving down this Hillman Hunter, between Clough and Seaford, I screwed down the window, I put my hand out up into the heavens, and I said, Lord, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will say whatever you want me to say. I will do whatever you want me to do. And I meant it. I meant it. With all of my heart, I meant it. And still is, it's still the same to this very day. Me sharing this, is this what he wants me to share? Well, anyway, what happened then was 10 years later when the problems happened, don't go into, but just things happened outside of our, our, us, nothing to do with us. I'm in a place and building up the herd and all that type of thing. And uh, the Lord spoke to me again. He says, I've come for your words. I didn't have to say, because in 10 years you've said a lot of words, I didn't have to say what words. I knew immediately what he meant. Do you remember what you promised me 10 years ago? You would go anywhere I wanted you to go. You would say anything I wanted you to say. And you would do anything I want you to do, uh, that uh, I wanted you to do. I said, yes, Lord. And then, as the saying goes around here, you all know, that's history what happened then. God just changed everything, changed everything permanently. And, and we've never been the same. We were going to go to Africa, you see, Evelyn and I and the two boys. We were going to go to Africa. Do you know you get tempted by the devil? Did you know that? Of course you do. But you also must know this. You get tested by God. God tests you. The trial of your faith. God tests you what you said. He's come for your words. God tests you. And we were supposed to come, uh, we went to America over to Leslie for six months and we came home and we were supposed to go on way to Africa because that's, I, I had it worked out. Evelyn could get a job at uh, the, in the hospital and I would be a missionary. They accepted Evelyn, but they said, we are sent missionaries to Ireland, we don't want you. So we couldn't get going, but we were prepared to go. That was, that was the test. Are you prepared? Abraham, go up. The, God wasn't going to kill Abraham's son, Isaac. That was the son of promise. God was going to kill Abraham. In brackets. He was testing Abraham. He's the father of faith, which we all are participating in. The faith that was once our forefathers. Anyway, so we didn't get going to Africa. And we ended up pastoring Faith Cathedral for a number of years. God changed everything in our lives. Goes, going on quickly. Then God took us into a wilderness. God took us into a wilderness for 20 years. 
for 20 years. No, 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 that's negative. That doesn't happen today. Oh, yes, God is preparing people for something great. We, we, we fight the devil, and rightly so, but sometimes God is doing something. God is changing us into what he wants, and he's a wonderful way of pulling the rug out from underneath you so that you experience death. I'm not talking about physical death. Death to the old man, death to your will, and what you want and what I want. God's a wonderful way of doing that. And for 20 years, the only preaching engagements after everything was finished with the cathedral and all that was going out here and there and here and there. Maybe once, the Lord would give me a message and then there'd be a telephone call and I would go to that place and preach the message. <laughs> and if he didn't give me a message, there was no telephone calls. He was keeping, it was, I was on a spiritual life support system for 20 years. <laughs> God, God can put you on hold. And if you're so used to the, everything going off, and suddenly he changes everything, you could get bitter. A, a friend of mine, he seems like a friend, Caleb, the son of Chifani. Remember Caleb? He went up into the promised land. He was with Joshua and the other ten. He carried the grapes of Eschol. He saw Hebron. The, 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 he saw the whole site. He was so excited about, about it. He came back, and as you know, he was rejected. But what happened with Caleb was he never got bitter, no matter what happened. Don't get bitter if God changes direction in your life. If things seem so set, it's your opinion, what you want. And God says, that's not mine. God's a way of doing that. Thank him for it, i tell you the truth. Thank him for it. But watch, there's infection in God's correction. Hebrews 12 talks about a root of bitterness springing up from within. I'm only warning. Anyway, what happened then was I would be invited to go to this place and speak. And then uh, maybe a month later or so, I get another invitation from somewhere else. And there's one place. We're coming up here to a very extremely serious part. You're mature people, so you, you, can, you can take this on board. I trust you to take this on board. This part that I'm going to say now is, I'll leave it with you, but I had to do this. I had to say this in this situation that we're going to talk about. There was one place in Letterkenny we would be invited occasionally, and that was with Bruce Shin Shinwell. Lovely, lovely man. Well, not every week or anything, maybe a total of maybe five times over the 20 years. But one time I was asked up to the full gospel businessmen's meeting in Letter in uh, Donegal town. Like, again, I'm warning you, this is serious. This is, you get your attention, this part. And I'm, I'm supposed to preach for the full God. Or I didn't know it was testifying. Nobody told me they just want testimony. They don't want preaching. But I found that out later. <laughs> God keeps things out of your road for a while, you know. <laughs> anyway, and, and I'm to preach in it. And I knew the, the message that the Lord had given me, the Trojan horse. He'd given me this message. 
and it was in relation to Christian television, of all things. I, am, I have to say this, this was very, very trying. But God always puts me in places to say things like this because he wants this said. God wants this said for your soul, for your family, for your future. Anyway, I'm, I'm outside in this little room by myself. The meeting's going on there and I'm singing and all like that. And I say, I'm walking up and down. I'm saying, Lord, I can hear the telephone calls. I can see the isolation. I know what's going to happen if I go out there and I tell them what you've told me to say. God, they will have no, don't want any more dealings with Wally Dick. You know, the Lord said to me in my spirit, he says, you don't have to, but don't expect ever to hear from me again. <laughs> the people think, God, we're, we're saved, we're saved, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're saved. Oh, no, 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 it goes deeper than that. It changes your entire being and your whole makeup because God has a purpose for doing what he allows sometimes to happen, circumstances and everything. The, the real maturity is to know who's hitting you, whether it's the devil, it's yourself, or maybe it's God fashioning you. So I had to go out, and I had to stand up in front of all these people, and Bruce, and I didn't know Bruce and Nell were in there. Anyway, what happened was, I got up, and I said, God has shown me that uh, Christian television is a Trojan horse. The Trojan horses, what happened was they came into the city and uh, they couldn't get in, so they built a horse and they presented it as a great gift to the city. So the city opened its doors and brought this Trojan horse, Christian television, right into the city. And then when everybody was asleep, asleep, what happened out of the belly of it, came all these soldiers, they opened the gate and the floodgates came in. They all came in and they ruined the city. And God showed me that in relation to Christian television. Not at all, not at all of it, not all of it by any means, but some of it. And I had to mention names, folks. God told me to mention names. Mike Murdoch, for instance, Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, I had a lot of, I had stacks of copra tapes. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. These people, they were not of God. There was good men on Charles Stanley's a good man. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd listen to Charles. I don't agree with everything, but I'd, I'd listen to some of his, his. He's not in it for the money. These other gangsters are in it for the money. I had to say this. And after it was over, uh, the whole meeting was split down the ha down in down the, in the middle the ones who didn't want to hear that who some of them i used to preach for over the years they all went that way but this man and his beautiful wife and all this group over here they came up and they said willie would you please come down and preach for us i think that was before before we preached for them i think that was the, the way they were i mixed that up there but i mean would you come down and preach for us so we came down just suppose now just for a moment just think about this if i hadn't obeyed god and i hadn't done that i would not have been in letter county tonight this last five years as a pastor of the church 
Two people got saved last week. Nine people were baptized in, in, in the Atlantic last Sunday. There's great things happen. People love us. They say there's never been such love in the church since we went down. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. People brought different countries. People have come, and God's shown me that more, more countries, people are going to come from Africa and Asia and ever all over the world. It's wonderful. But if I hadn't obeyed God down in that full gospel businessmen's meeting, Remit, isn't that right? You've got to obey God in the small things and the big things. But God deals with you. He sends you the paracletos. He sends you the word of God. He does a work in your life preparing you to be a mature Christian. And frankly, folks, we need that in the days that we're heading into right now. We need that discernment, discernment. They haven't a clue the body of Christ is by and large, by and large. If Obama could fool them, what is hope for the rest of them? Anyway, forget I said that, but I said it anyway. <laughs> Run the race that is set before you. Run the race that's set before you. Uh, I don't want to be too long, folks. Some of the Ebenezers I don't t- want to tell you about. In 19, or no, 2015, the very last day, this is a bit later, the very last day of the year, uh, Evelyn and I decided to go to, uh, when in Letterkenny, it's Derry. Down here, it's London Derry. But Derry's okay if I say it in its own, isn't it? Okay, I'll say it in its own. Derry, Derry, Derry. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I dropped Evelyn off because all the sites said no parking, no parking, no parking. Couldn't get, everything was full. And I dropped Evelyn off and I said, I'll call you as soon as I get a parking spot. And she said, okay, that's good. I got a parking spot. I got the phone out. And the phone was flat. It was no go. And I'm saying, hundreds and hundreds of people here, and I don't know any of them. What am I going to do? And I whispered a wee prayer. Lord, help me. It wasn't a great man of faith or something. It was something simple. And these are little nuggets to conclude the whole thing with. It's not already little nuggets. Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Help me, Lord. Help me. And then they had this thought. Now listen to this. I've said this, and people have had great help from it. It's going to be interesting to see how God is going to work this one out. It's going to be interesting to see how God is going to work it out. He made two different. I hadn't that thought in my mind 30 seconds to coming out of the door out of a bank with a phone in his hand was one of the elders of the church. Hey. <laughs> eh? Don't tell me that. That ain't God. Uh, if that, no, that ain't odd. That is God. <laughs> hey. And I said, Brian, would you ring Evelyn? So I met up with Evelyn within five minutes. I could have been still there looking for her. <laughs> yeah. Now, another little thing. These are little things. Uh, we were at Sprucefield. You know Sprucefield out here? Evelyn and I were at Sprucefield, and uh, Evelyn went round Marks and Spencer's, you know, that, that thing, you know, walking around, right? And anyway, I go out, and uh, Evelyn's coming out, and we're walking down to the car. Car's away the button of the car park, and there's all these shops here, and uh, Evelyn says, I'm going over to this shop here. Now, listen to this. And I said, okay, I'll go and get the car. So I give her a little kiss in the cheek. 
And I noticed at the same time, coming walking towards us, was, a, was about from here to the wall, was this beautiful lady, I guess she was about 28 or so in that age, and she was alongside, about where you are now, Clifford, you know, from me, and I said, I spoke to her, and I said, you're allowed to do that when you've been married for 45 years. <laughs> and she says, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. I says, it was. I'll tell you how we met. Then I told her. And she says, I've got a friend. She's always talking about things like that. I says, is that right about being saved and things like this? Yes. I said, I, mean, I had said in the conversation, I had said, you may not understand the word salvation and how God could speak to you. And then she said, I've got a friend that tells me about that type of thing. I don't understand it. I said, would you like to understand it? She says, I would. I says, give me your hand. She reached, there's car, cars, parking, cars, people, crowded day, Sprucefield, everybody's there. Middle of the day, give me your hand. She took my hand, the power of God hit her like that broke down and cried and she said these words oh this is beautiful this is wonderful oh this is wonderful this is wonderful what is this this is wonderful I've never experienced anything like this in my life what is this I says it's the presence of almighty God it's Jesus oh she says I want more I want more I says okay you want to get saved yes I do right now I want to get saved I want to be born again right on the outside in the car park that's the days we're living in when 9-11 happened, people piled into the churches over there because they had no answers. But the church had no answers either. And people came out. And what I'm saying to the body of Christ, get ready. There's never been a more perfect time because people's hearts are failing them. People's finances is going to pot. People's health, everything. Their fear is ruling in this world. Fear. And you have the answer. You will be surprised the way people will react. She came to know the Lord, and then she did another thing. And whenever she did it, I, I, it took me by surprise. She launched, and she caught a hold of me and hugged me and kissed me in the cheek. <laughs> and then she stood back for a few minutes, and I said, I have to go and get the car. Oh, don't leave. And I prayed for her. I held her hand. The presence of God. And the second time she hugged me, I'm saying, I hope Evelyn doesn't come out right now. <laughs> this would look so bad. This would look so bad. <laughs> the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip was told, leave the revival and go down to the desert. If you got something, they were healing the sick and casting out devils, you got something in the revival, don't keep it. The way you keep what you got is give it away. Go down, the, the Lord told him, the angel told him to go down, and you're going to see a man. And with the Ethiopian eunuch. And he talked to him, won him to Christ, baptized him in water, and he didn't know everything. <laughs> baptized him in water. And then what happened was he went off to spread the good news. It was God's way of getting the whole message into Africa. Anyway, that's what happened there. Oh, by, by the way, we were coming home there a couple of nights ago, and we called in to get a, in a chippy. And we're getting a fish supper between us. And there's this beautiful lady standing. She was talking to another woman behind the counter. And I started to talk to her about the Lord. <laughs> you know, and I said, give me your hand and I'll pray with you. I'm praying with her. And the presence of God's all over. Tears running out. Oh, she says, my husband. Now listen, this is what people are like. If we only knew what they're like. She said, my husband. 
dropped dead at my feet three years ago, and I've never been able to get over it. My husband, no answer. Doctors can't help you. Tablets can't help you. The latest anything can't help you. There's only one thing that can help you. Sorry, Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he's willing to do it. Are you? I know you are. I know you are. Just be open to God and let him do it. And very quickly, very quickly, there may be another one here. Oh, yeah, we went over to see Stephen. That's a year ago now that we baby died. And we went over to see Stephen and Amber. It was, it was a difficult period anyway. And we were on our way back, and uh, we were in Denver. And they said there was so much snow and so forth coming in. This man from the flight attendant, he stood up and he said, uh, uh, there's going to be no more flights out of here tonight. It, it would take, this is what he said, it would take a miracle to fly out of here tonight. And I'm standing there with everybody else, and I said, I believe for a miracle. Just for the sake of trying it out, I believe that God can do that. I believe that God, within 24 and 25 minutes, we were on board the flight to Newark, and then from Newark to, to, to London, Belfast. Just... Perchance, these type of things are not an accident. Anyway, just a little funny thing. I was in charge in Faith Tabernacle at a prayer meeting at one point. This lovely couple came in, and they give their life to the Lord at the end of the meeting. It was wonderful. It was marvelous. I was there again on Sunday night. Leslie had preached. I was again Sunday night. And lo and behold, when he made the appeal up, they came. And the devil said to me, the devil said, nothing happened whenever you prayed for them. Nothing happened whenever you did that. And they said, Leslie, what do you want? And the man, the woman said, the man and his wife, they said, we want to get saved. He says, I can't do that. You're already saved. <laughs> the devil left. Just like that. I don't know if that does anybody any good. The last thing, whenever we were over with Stephen, I'm just going to finish tonight. Whenever we were over with Stephen, what happened was the first uh, day we were over there, I went to the bookstore. <laughs> I love books, by the way. <laughs> and I, I had a new, uh, new King James, giant print, uh, you know, what was it? The, what, what do you call the copies? The, the one you have? You know, it's not just your regular one. It's one with teaching aids and all that, all that information's in it. I wanted it. And I see that it went down in, in the bookstore. Here's the one I wanted. It was 70 or $80. And I said to the man, I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and nothing had happened. A couple of days later, we were in a meeting with Stephen and... Um, the uh, this lovely man, he was a Baptist minister. He was saying.
saying that his wife had bought a Bible uh, on uh, on uh, eBay or somewhere. And I said, I mean, I'd looked at one there and, and uh, I didn't do anything with the new, new King James. Oh, he says, I know what they are. She got a new King James and that was all. Then he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. Now, this is an important point. This is an important point coming up. He, he said, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll buy you one. I'll buy you one. I said, well, that's very kind of you. I didn't mean by bringing up this subject. And his wife was the one that talked about it to do that. I said, no, I want to buy you one. And I said, thank you very much. That was the first. We were there for four weeks and never seen him again. And the day before we were leaving, I had this temptation. The temptation was to lift the phone and ring him and say, I'm leaving tomorrow at 7 o'clock. I just want to say cheerio. <laughs> I just wanted to remind you that I'm still your friend. Oh, you haven't bought, you haven't fulfilled your word. I didn't go to, I didn't. I was tempted to do that, folks. I was, see, this is a, this is a, when you give something to God, for goodness sake, don't take it back out of his hands. You've given it to the one who has the answer for every problem, who has the way out of every difficulty, who has the total knowledge of everything regarding everybody and all things. When you give it to him, leave it with him. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I tell you what, finish, but I will. Uh, you know, I want to read. I want to read an old hymn. I thought maybe it would all be on spiritual terms. You had her sign this, and I wouldn't have to read it, but I'll have to read it now anyway. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. He addeth afflictions. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, multiplied peace. It's almost worth it because you go into difficult situations and he sorts it out. It's almost, don't do it, but it's almost worth it because you never learn anything at the top of the mountain. You learn, always learn something when the mountain's on top of you. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. Isn't that beautiful? Our, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God even yearns his resources to share. Isn't that wonderful? Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load will upbear. The story's told of this man. He's walking down the road with a big bundle on his back and this man going down with a horse and trap. I remember horses and traps. Clifford would remember them too if he was honest, but anyway. <laughs> 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 I remember the horses and traps. I remember them. 
and, and he stops to give the man a lift. So he gets up into the trap, and he's still holding the burden on his back. And the man said, what are you doing? Well, he says, it's very good of you helping me I'll, without having to carry the burden to you. He says, leave it down. I'll take care of it. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary, known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth again and again and again. You can't exhaust him. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he gracious? Have you heard anything from the Lord tonight? Have you felt encouraged? Your circumstances may be totally opposite to mine. It doesn't make any difference. No matter what shape or form it comes in, he is an expert of sorting out all the promise. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I looked you straight in the eye and that came into my heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's better to trust God than to trust men. Men can help you if they can, but they can't. But trust God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.